When I open my Bible and go to read it, it's like a different version to the one that says secret place. So, in the New King James Version, Psalm 91.1 says something along the lines of, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And this, this whole idea of abiding and encountering the love of God is, you know, what, what leads to fruitfulness, right? Abiding in the vine. And we've been grafted in to the vine. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So being made in the image of God means that we are those who are of heaven. The second Adam, the life-giving spirit, we are, we are his people. You know, those people who aren't born again into that new life are the old Adam's people, the dusty people. They're in the natural, right? And we're in the spiritual. There's two kinds of people in the earth. Those who are born of the man of the dust or those who are born of the man from heaven. Right? And that life-giving spirit is Christ. He's the one who we live for and through. And that is the grafting into the vine that's taken place, isn't it? That becoming those people of heaven is when we graft it into Christ. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So we've essentially become the branches of the tree of life. And that life-giving spirit is what energizes us. 
And so how important is it that we learn to abide and to actually pursue God and connect with the life-giving spirit? So I just think it's amazing that we get to go on this adventure of developing a personal relationship with God. It's actually an adventure and it's actually intentional. And I think everybody in here is probably here because there's a desire in their heart to know God. But what stops us? So often, it's that whole, I need to clean up my life before I can begin the quest. To meet the one who's the only one who can clean me. <laughs> clean up your lives before you begin the quest to meet the only one who can clean up your life. You following? It's like, it's the quest that perfects us. It's the journey. So if you're waiting to get to some level before you fully engage your heart with God, you're never going to get there, right? It's impossible. It's an impossible task. It just puts us under pressure and we're striving for a relationship with God that essentially has already been made available to us. And we can know that and then still fall back into that place of, Oh, I've fallen short, I'm not worthy, I've, I've stuffed it up again. But remember, it's our hearts that we, we, we're after God. So, we just need to continually be reminded that the obstacles to that relationship have fully been removed by Christ. And we're standing in the righteousness of God and He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who makes us worthy. And so we don't have to have a shower before we have a wash. That's how the, the three circles guys put it, you know, when they can't go to that circle with God because they're not good enough. And he says, well, that's like having a shower before you take a bath. Right? So, get that out of your head. It's by Christ that you're qualified. Yeah. So, I just think that that whole idea of like reminding yourself that you desire to know God, right? And it's that passion that leads you into that place. And you follow that without distraction, that you know your heart is for God to know Him. And like you stop disqualifying yourself from going into that place of intimacy. And so, sometimes, I mean, it's always a genuine, it's a, it's a good desire to want to clean things up in your life or wanting to get right to know, you know, as part of your relationship with God. But that doesn't happen by yourself. To get there, it happens as you encounter God. So your greatest transformation will be as you encounter God. Which is why, like, the whole heartbeat of this church is why we preach that message frequently, 
is because our true transformation is going to come through our encounter, through our connection with God. And so we've got to make that our absolute priority above all. To allow Him to transform us as we connect with Him. Recently He's been just reminding me that He is the Good Shepherd. We are the sheep of His pasture. It's really good to remind yourself that He is the shepherd of your soul. Like He's the one seeking to lead you beside still waters. Right? Into green pastures. He's the one who's trying to get us into that place. And like, there's a list of rules in religion that won't get you there, you know? Like, religious rules is like behavior modification, it's not a transformed heart. So Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So I'm starting to envisage like this whole idea of pursuing this secret place relationship with God, this place of encounter. And we're called to like rest in Him and wait patiently for Him and pursue this relationship. What does that what does that actually look like for us? And so I want to unpack a few of those things. Like what, what is rest? And what is wait, waiting patiently for Him? And so traditionally like in our context, we that word rest means be still. But in Hebrew, there's also a translation which is to take a leisurely walk. And when I read that, I was just like so encouraged. Because it's like, it sort of got me out of my mindset that I had to be encountering God a certain way or being still or finding quiet time. It was like, go for a walk. Leave your phone behind and just go for a walk with the Lord and get active. I was like, oh, that's right. You know, and it kind of just... I got stuck in a bit of a rut with my communion with God. So go for a walk. So good. And of course, what does that remind you of? Walking in the call of the garden. Amen. Straight away it speaks of that intimacy and that connection. Amen. And the Father engaging with Adam as they walk in the call of Eden. God's intention for us yeah. to be walking with Him and abiding. It's good and that, that picture of Eden is it, like, it's right relationship. Isn't it? It's that because I have a right relationship with my Father, I can enjoy Him and go for a walk with Him and share my heart and hear His heart and connect. And I think that that's the picture of true rest is actually that right relationship. Because true rest is when you're going, it's not about my performance, right? It's like I'm accepted by the Father and He's continually going to the Father because you've got a right relationship with Him entering into that rest. When you get taken out of that and it becomes about what you can do to like earn the right, it becomes about your own self and it's a striving and a standard you can't live up to. Waiting patiently in the footnotes talked about like there's apparently 49 different 53 different Hebrew words that are used for waiting patiently no that's not right. there's 53 times 
waiting patiently is used in Hebrew, right? And four of those are just like your classic tenses, wait, waiting, wait, waiting patiently. But the other 49 quotes of that waiting patiently refer to writhing in pain as in childbirth or whirling in the air in dance. And when I read, so that was that was from some research, and then I, I checked it reading in the Passion, and Brian Simmons is brilliant for his footnotes. And if you read uh, that Psalm 37 verse 7, he's got it in the footnotes. Writhing or labour pains and whirling are the two different versions of that, of that. And so it suddenly like makes your mind pop, like our, our idea of rest and waiting patiently can often be so passive, like I'm sitting and I'm, you know, and there is, a, there is a place for that, you know, like learning how to know that God loves you and that you're an object of his love and stopping to be still. Like I do it in my office at work all the time, like there's chaos and craziness going along, going around and I just sit in my chair and I just take five minutes to just acknowledge God so I know that you love me, I'm not going to have any requests, I'm not asking for anything, I'm not doing anything. Just sitting here merely to be an object of his love because I know that he loves me. Yeah. And like and as I do it, it's just like, oh, it's so refreshing. Yeah. It's just like he's pouring liquid gold over me. You know, and I'm just suddenly aware of his presence. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, it's the life-giving spirit, isn't it, right there? Yeah. It's the life-giving spirit flowing into me, and then I can like go back on with my day, like just recharge with the love of the Father, and the pressure's off, so and the performance is off again. I'm just in abiding and I'm engaged. And I've been through three childbirths. <laughs> as a support worker. <laughs> and uh, like it's intentional, like it's incredible. Like the focus and the passion involved in that is mind blowing. It's anything but passive. So I think what my heart is for this meeting is, is this is getting to it now, it's like that. What, what does that rest and that waiting patiently look like? It's not sitting back going, oh, God's done something over there. I'm waiting for him to do something here. One of these days God might do something here. No, it's like completely the opposite. It's like getting in tune with the music and whirling, like dance, you know, like it's a passionate act. Yeah. It's driven by a passionate act. It's a driving force. It's a passionate act. It's good time. And so it's just like, oh my gosh, like the biblical version of patience is actually intensely focused. It's actually disciplined. It's actually like a resolve, like a conviction that like this is the only true thing that's going to satisfy me. Like if we can if we can get the flame that consumes every other flame burning brightest, it's like we've made it. Like our problems, it's like the, the Bible says that when we rise up on the wings of eagles, the things of the earth grow strangely dim. Yeah. But that's why we've got to get this intimacy and this connection right as a priority. Yeah. And not let your disqualify yourself before you engage because you're not there yet. It's the journey that's gonna get you to that place that you desire.
And yeah, I just like I know that that's what God's attracted to. And I, like that's an area where the Lord's speaking to me. It's an area I need to grow. Like I want to get to that place, you know, and, and push through and overcome on a daily basis those hindrances or those distractions or the things that you know disqualify me because of my failures. It's like no, I'm not going to let that stop me. My desire is to know God. Yeah. That's going to be the one thing that drives me. So. That's going to overcome the the disappointment or the failure or the. Yeah or the whatever, it's going to be, I'm going to go there because I know that that connection, if I can just connect with God, yeah. that's where I'm going to find this, this river of life. So then, you read on to verse 30, chapter 37, verse 9, and it continues on this idea of waiting for the Lord. But those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. And that waiting is actually lying in wait. Sounds like setting up an ambush to me. Lying in wait. Who lies in wait? What does it look like to lie in wait for something? It's military language, isn't it? Lying in wait. Setting up an ambush. Again, it's a very intentional thing, isn't it? Are you waiting for God passively to do something and to show up? Or are you lying in ambush? To just like pounce when you see move or see something? Are you ready? Are you anticipating like ne next week I'm going to spend a week in worship be like, oh my gosh, that could be my moment to encounter God. I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be switched on. on. I'm going to be alert. On. On. I'm going to engage my heart. Yes. If God moves, I'm going to be right in the creepy center. Come on. You know? yes. That's intentionality. Not like, oh, you know, case of wearing a week of worship, that would be nice. So do you know you're fully accepted? Do you know you're accepted just as you are? Do you know there's nothing you need to do to be a good Christian, yeah. to be a good believer? That's no. not how it works. You're accepted because you're accepted. You're in because you're in because he loves you. That's the place where, you, where your life is empowered to be a good Christian, to be godly. Don't, I, I hear it all the time, like, Oh, I can't be a Christian because I do this. Or I can't be a Christian because of that. Or even directed at me, you can't be a Christian. You did that. That's my school kids. How could you serve? You did. But you were a Christian. But it's like my desire is to know God. Yes, not perfect. Don't have it all worked out yet. But that's all that he's looking for. 
heart to know him and desire for me to pursue him. And what I want to grow in is that intentionality. Because you know the woman who touched, hit the hem of his garment? She was lying in ambush. She knew that he was an anointed man. She knew that he was the son of God. And she knew if she could position herself to just touch the hem of his garment when she get past, she could, she'd be healed. Right? She, who touched me? We've heard that sermon. Like Someone with intentionality. Everyone was touching him. Who touched him with intentionality? It was that woman, wasn't it? Imagine that she's sick as it is. But she's got to get through the crowds following him. She was intentional, that woman. She was almost lying in ambush for him, right? She got there, she touched the hem of his garment, and 12 years of sickness and pain leaves her body because she was intentional. She wasn't like at home going, oh, I hope he comes past my house. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope he comes to visit me. I hope if I just sit here on the roadside, I hope he comes down this road. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, get up. You're waiting in the wrong spot. He's over there. You know that faith works through love? Faith is energizing our lives through love. We need to be tapped into the source of love. Like, we're not going to attain the Christian life, what the high calling and what's available to us through our own effort. We're going to attain it because God touched us. We encountered the living God. You read all the Bible stories. Think of Jacob wrestling with the Lord, spending all night wrestling with God. And he's transformed from that wrestling match, isn't he? The Lord says, How long are you, Jacob? Making you into Israel. There's so many stories. I had one other one other thing that always comes to my mind was Brian Simmons. Um, Reference, and I'll look it up for you. It's from Song of Songs. You can't really talk about intimacy and secret place and knowing God outside of the songs without mentioning the Song of Songs. Because it's this beautiful romance between the shepherd king and the Shulamite woman. And she says in Song of Songs 1, verse 16 My beloved one, both handsome and winsome, you are pleasing beyond words. Our resting place is anointed and flourishing. And I remember hearing Brian Simmons preach and he talked about that resting place. And it's, there's two uh, variations of what that resting place is. And one is a luxuriant couch. The couch of the Lord. And it just really struck me as that place of like, a couch is there for just being comfortable, isn't it? For just leaning back, for just relaxing and feeling so comfortable. And I've always thought so much about the Lord, the Lord was like trying to strive to do good or to be someone to encounter God. But it's actually that, that balance of knowing that you can be in the couch of the Lord, that luxuriant couch, 
in that super restful, comfortable place and letting his love wash over you and just experiencing his goodness toward you. But it's also about being super intentional and laboring and pursuing him with an intentionality and a passion that's going to cause him to move. So I'm just going to finish with a few stories from Luke. And this was actually like Dave Ridley's parting message to us, was preaching from this place. So if you want to go to Luke 18, and it's these two stories kind of juxtapose those two kind of heart positions. So 18:18, and the ruler asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone." You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Religious rule-keeping, he'd been doing a good job. When Jesus heard this, he asked, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? And he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. So he had, according to the law, been doing everything right, been ticking every box, been doing an awesome job of being a good uh, Israelite, a good Hebrew. But the law of, you know, when he was given this other job to do, which was like the law, to give his money away, he couldn't. Let's go to 19, Luke 19. Jesus and Zacchaeus. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. So another rich guy. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to see and to save the lost. You see the, the difference? Two rich men, one who's trying to keep the law, one who's trying to do all the right things. And Jesus sets him a challenge. He knows where his heart's at. You know? So he's trying to expose that issue. But Zacchaeus was a crook. He hadn't been even trying to keep the laws. He'd been defrauding people. He'd been robbing them. He was a tax collector. He was rich. But what happens with him? He has a night. Jesus comes to dinner. And you look at the response. Like he wasn't even trying to be a good Christian, a good Hebrew. He was a bad guy. You know? He was intentional about his pursuit of Jesus and he climbed the tree. And then Jesus says, Zacchaeus, tonight I'm dining with you, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And I, like I can just like from my own experience, it's when the Lord touches your heart yeah. on an issue, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. Your whole response becomes a heavenly perspective. Yeah. Right? Your, your, your generosity, your courage, your fearlessness to give and to, to live is completely transformed by the love of God. Because when you encounter His love, you see, like, you trust Him, you know, with your life. talking about the secret place and abiding I hope that's brought some more clarity around that idea of being still before the Lord, seeking to know Him, waiting for Him and that it's not a passive sit around you know, waiting for God to do something but it's a passionate and active pursuit Positioning yourself to ambush God. Amen. He rewards those who diligently seek Him, doesn't yes. He? What chapter are we up to in Matthew? We now read through the book and doing music. Well, I have been reading Matthew, and the Lord just spoke to me so powerfully through a couple of parables uh, from Matthew 13, 44 and 45. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I feel like that's where I'm at in my life. I'm like I, I can I know that I know where the treasure is, and I'm getting my act together to sell everything I own, everything that is stopping me from becoming a mature manifestation of Christ, so that I can be an authentic ambassador. Yeah, and I think that's where we should all be at, at on that journey, wherever we're at, is to apprehend 
that for which we've been apprehended, like to have that intimacy. It's like to know God. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Could it be that the most fulfilling thing in our lives is our intimacy with the Lord, our, our knowing God, and that is available like right now? Yeah. The kingdom is, is a superior reality. reality, this realm will have to bow down, right? So Father, we just, we pray, Lord God, that this house will be marked by people who are passionately in pursuit of you, Lord God. That those of us who rest in you will rest in you knowing that we are accepted and loved and we have unconditional access to your presence and to the secret place of abiding with you. And I pray that we would wait patiently, Lord God, and in that waiting be intentional in our pursuit of you. I pray, Lord God, that we would lie in wait, that we would begin to get so smart that we would set up our wishes to when you go past, we're right there to touch you, Lord God, and to experience you. Amen. Yeah. 